0: And I started to get in a little bit of trouble and make decisions that I hadn't made before that, you know, I just started to realize the state that I was in. And I was like, man, I got I to gotta change, man. I got to change directions. I started to realize my brokenness. I started to realize my emptiness. I started to realize that I actually didn't have purpose in life. I really didn't. I was just going through the motions. And I didn't hate God. I didn't hate like the church, I, didn't, I wasn't like trying to be super rebellious or anything like that. I just didn't sense a real big need for Jesus, for God.
1: And so I just kind of fizzled out of things. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome.
0: Good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Uh, it's good to be here uh, with you guys. Uh, I'm really excited about this series. Uh, a lot of times we read these stories in Scripture and we feel pretty distant from the people. Um, we don't really see them as people that were just like us. And so tonight I'm excited to, to share um, some of that with you guys. So I'm actually going to kneel and say a quick prayer. I invite you to remain seated. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of life. Lord, tonight I just pray that your Holy Spirit may be poured out upon us. Um, I pray that Jesus may be lifted high and that he may be seen tonight. I pray that every heart in here, including mine, may be open um, to your love and to your Holy Spirit. We love you, God. Let me give you everything in Jesus and I pray. Amen. A couple years ago, uh, I was doing a homeless ministry in San Bernardino, and San Bernardino has this one street. It's called Baseline. How many of you guys have ever been to Baseline? Baseline: if you've walked the streets, if you've driven by, it's a rough area. Uh, you'll see all kinds of people hanging out. It's not the place you want to be at night. But it was the place um, where I decided to do ministry. I was walking down the street. I met a guy. He was probably in his mid-50s. And I started talking to him. And long story short, uh, he told me that he was addicted to drugs and to alcohol. He said that um, he's been addicted for a long time, ever since he was probably about 19 or 20 years old. And so I began to ask him why. And he said he didn't want to talk about it. I respected that. I said, you know, I'll offer up some prayer for you. And I went on my way. And another week went by, and I went back and looked for him. And we would connect, and we would talk as the weeks would go on. And there was this one week where I rolled up into, I think it was, uh, I forgot the name of the, of the um, store, but it's off of Baseline. It's this huge, empty parking lot and um, I pulled up, I rolled up in there, and I saw him, and uh, got him some food, we got to talking, and that day was a little different. Uh, we started talking about salvation, and this guy was just not about it, in the sense that he didn't feel like he was worthy enough for it. We, I started to explain to him You know, that salvation was a gift, that grace was offered to everybody. And he began to talk about why he was addicted to drugs and to alcohol. And he confessed to me what he did when he was 19, and it was pretty bad, honestly, something I don't even want to repeat. And I could see why he was doing what he was doing. He told me specifically, he said, The reason I drink so much and I do so many drugs is because I'm trying to drown out the guilt that I suffer with every single day for what I did 30, 40 years ago. I began to just wrestle with this idea, and I began to talk to him and just say, man, like, I know that you messed up, and I get that, but grace is free for you. Someone else paid the price for you. God wants you. He forgives you. I remember that day, I'll never forget it, He said to me, I can't accept it. I'm not worth it. I've messed up too much. What I've done is too bad. God, I don't I don't deserve his grace and his forgiveness. It broke my heart to hear. But was he right? Was he really too messed up for God to love and to accept? There's a story in scripture about a man who probably could relate. His name was Zacchaeus, and he lived in a a city called Jericho. And this city uh, was a place where a lot of business happened. There was a lot of money going in and out. And uh, I want you guys to turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 19, verse one through 10. To give you guys some some kind of context, to what, uh, where this story takes place. This is towards the end of Jesus' ministry uh, with his disciples. And they are on their way to Jerusalem for the closing parts of the ministry. And they're passing by this city specifically. And I want to read this scripture again. I don't know if they can pull it up on the screen. If not, that's totally fine. Uh, the Bible says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus, He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He, was go- he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, "Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. When reading the story, you can sense a kind of hatred for Zacchaeus by the people. They call him a sinner and are essentially upset that Jesus would want to stay at his house. So why is that? Zacchaeus' occupation was what? Does anybody know? He was a tax collector, right? A tax man. The job of a tax man was to essentially collect the money from the people, right? Pretty simple. But often, tax collectors were looked down upon because they would lie and cheat in order to get more money um, for themselves to get the things that they wanted. So for example, to kind of give you an idea of what tax collectors, not every tax collector necessarily, but what Zacchaeus probably did and what others did and why they were looked down upon. To give you an example, let's say the government uh, required a 20% tax, right? They could then tax the people 30% and keep the 10% difference for themselves so that they could buy the things that they wanted and kind of you know pay themselves essentially um, on top of that. Now... Put that in the context of struggling families, poor families. Zacchaeus is basically over here stealing money from them. That's pretty messed up. On top of that, to make on top of that, he had the protection of the government behind his back. As long as they got paid, he could do whatever he wanted to. To make matters even worse, he was a Jew. He was doing this to his own people. Let's put this into perspective a little bit for us today, right? So let's say you are in school, right? So most of us have probably been in school, either are in school now or have been in school within the past five to ten years, right? And uh, school is expensive. So let's say you just finished first quarter. You're working a job. You got, you're working extra hours just to pay for the next quarter so you can take classes. And you save enough money just to start school, for the next quarter, but tax season comes around, which is actually like around this time of year. (laughs) Tax season comes around, and uh, the tax man, who's actually from your community, comes up to you, and he takes more than what actually is required of you, and you can't do anything about it, so that he can get his nice car and get his nice house and that kind of thing, and now you can't go to school. That's pretty messed up. Am I right? That's totally messed up. Zacchaeus was a sinner for sure. He was a liar, a cheat. He took advantage of people. He was greedy. He was selfish. Can you relate to this? Maybe you can't, maybe you and I can't relate to being a tax collector or even the specific things that Zacchaeus did. But at the end, Of the day, Zacchaeus was just a guy that made mistakes. And that we can relate to. He was just like us. He was in a place where he recognized his condition, he knew that he needed help. He was a sinner looking for a savior, he was broken looking to be healed. Paul said something interesting about our condition in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that no matter how big or how small our mistakes are, we can all relate to each other in the fact that we all make mistakes. But why is this often an issue? We often are so focused on other people's mistakes and issues that it causes us to minimize our own. We can even see this in the text. We see it when people are calling Zacchaeus a sinner and they are so upset with him. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus is just looking to Jesus for help. If we would stop looking at others and just look to Jesus, we would would like Zacchaeus begin to realize our true condition, that we are broken and need to be healed. At the end of the day, no matter what you and I have done, Our mistakes bring us all to the same place, the foot of the cross. Why is this point so crucial to understand? Get this, because the magnitude, because as we begin to understand the magnitude of our our mistakes and our sins and our condition, we can then begin to understand the magnitude of God's love for us. Well, how do we see this? Look at the interaction between Zacchaeus and Jesus. We see a guy who is hated by society and looked down upon for his bad decisions. We see he is so desperately looking for Jesus, so much so that he climbs a tree. Jesus stops, he looks at him, calls him by his name, and says, I want to stay at your house today. This is huge. Understand what Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus and to the others around. The NET Bible first edition notes say it like this. Jesus revealed the necessity of his associating with people like Zacchaeus. This act of, fe- of fellowship indicated acceptance. Notice, check this out, notice that it wasn't the ridicule of the people that caused Zacchaeus to change. But it was the acceptance by Jesus in spite of his brokenness. Love always makes a deeper impact than hate. Jesus was making a statement to Zacchaeus. He was telling him, Though you have made bad decisions that have caused you to be hated by everyone, I don't hate you. In fact, I accept you with all your failures. Instead of just saying, with words that he accepted Zacchaeus, he shows him. He goes to his home and he eats with him. While everyone around gossips and complains because of Zacchaeus' mistakes, Jesus sees a heart hungering for change and forgiveness. I know this feeling. When I was a senior in high school, I was a huge jokester, I still am a jokester, um, but back then, you know, you're a teenager, and you don't really think, um, so sometimes you take things a little too far. But um, I was a huge prankster, and uh, me and my buddies, uh, we decided that we were going to do this senior class prank. And uh, so we, uh, we rolled up to the school, you know, overnight, and um, I remember getting caught. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning. It was pretty cold. I'm actually from Florida. And for those of you who don't know, Florida is pretty hot and humid. But in the winter, it can get down to, like, the 40s. And it's, like, damp, so it feels pretty cold. So believe me when I say it was pretty chilly. Um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember that night, though, specifically, because I remember getting caught. I remember... Um, having to call my parents, and it was probably the most challenging phone call I ever had to make to my parents in my life, to this point. I remember calling my dad and saying, hey dad, I got caught, I'm at the school, I need you to come. And I'll never forget this moment, Um, and I oftentimes cry when I think about it. But I remember feeling really discouraged, I remember feeling like a failure. I remember feeling, I was not really afraid, I was not really worried, I was more so worried about how it affected my parents rather than how much trouble I was in at school. Because I felt like I had failed my parents, I felt like I had, they were probably embarrassing me. What were they gonna do when I, you know, when I got home? What were they gonna look at me as? Were they still gonna see me as their son? I thought to myself, man, I let them down. They don't deserve, they don't deserve, they don't deserve a son like me, they deserve someone better. That's what I felt, honestly. And I'm over here cleaning up this mess that we made in this campus. Cleaning it up, it's cold, and my dad rolls up, and he's got this big jacket on, and he walks over to me, and I'm just like thinking in my head like, man, terrible son, just a terrible son, man. And he walks up, he doesn't say much, and he takes off his jacket, he sees that I'm cold, and he puts it on me, and he starts cleaning with me. And at that moment, I realized that my dad still loves me and that my dad still saw me as his son, even when I was in the midst of making terrible decisions. I knew that no matter what the outcome was gonna be, I had what mattered most. I had acceptance with my family. Just like how my dad treated me and how Jesus accepted Zacchaeus, so Jesus accepts you and me, even when we have made a mess of our lives. This is where the love of God is seen. It is seen in the way he treats us despite what we actually deserve. I love the way Timothy Keller uh, puts it. He says, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Jesus is looking for you and me while we're struggling and saying, please, Matt, Trevor, Ralph, Sam, whatever your name is, I accept you. I want to stay at your house today. You don't have to be afraid of me. I love you. This story of redemption doesn't end with acceptance. Jesus doesn't just accept you, but he gives you a new life and a new identity. Check out this contrast with how Zacchaeus identifies with the people versus how Jesus identifies him. From the text, we can gather that Zacchaeus was identified as a tax collector, a rich man, a sinner, and an outcast of society before his interaction with Jesus. After this conversation, we notice him identified as something different. Jesus calls him a son of Abraham. What does that mean? In Jewish culture, they viewed being literal descendants of Abraham as inherently making them better than the others around and being partakers of God's blessings because of their lineage. Zacchaeus would have been born into this ideology, but because he was labeled as a sinner, he would have fallen out of that. The SDA Bible commentary says this, the Jews flattered themselves that descent from Abraham made them better than other men. According to the Talmud, a single Israelite is worth more before God than all the people who have ever been and who shall be. They considered this, connection, a substitute for repentance. This was wrong to think that their ethnic lineage made them better than others. They missed the actual meaning of what a son of Abraham was. If you go to Galatians chapter 3, you can go there if you want, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, the Bible says this about the specific topic. It says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, the Gentiles are the people that aren't Jews, preached the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, right? The gospel before to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Being a son of Abraham meant having faith like Abraham had in the promise of a savior, which was Jesus. Can you see what Jesus is doing here? Jesus is redefining Zacchaeus' identity, not only for him, but in his community. What this is basically telling Zacchaeus is that whatever you identify as before, know that now you are a son. No longer do you need to call yourself Zacchaeus, the tax collector, but call yourself Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, one who by faith has experienced redemption. Not only does Zacchaeus get a new identity, but he develops a new character. His values change. His traits of selfishness, deceit, and greed turn to selflessness, honesty, and generosity. He is no longer tied to his material wealth, but he is tied to the spiritual wealth that is in Jesus. He receives a new joy that he didn't have before. He gets a new purpose. He no longer is living for himself, but he's living for others. Zacchaeus is transformed into a completely new person. This is what happens when we accept Jesus into our lives like Zacchaeus did. He gives us something better Than we had ever hoped or imagined for. He gives us a new identity, a new purpose, a new hope, and a new character. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I know this to be true, not just because of the experience of Zacchaeus, but because of my experience with Jesus. I'm not going to tell you the entire story, but I do want to share a few points. I was uh, raised uh, in the church, wonderful family, Um, loved them to death. Uh, My parents provided a a spiritual environment for me, Um, went to church every weekend. Uh, But one thing my parents didn't do, which I actually appreciate, is that they never forced me to be spiritual. Uh, They never forced me to be that kid up at church that was praying or reading the scriptures or um, to read my Bible at home and to do all these things. Um, And so it allowed me, my faith, to always be my own. And around uh, the age of 17, I stopped going to church. And it wasn't because I was upset with God or mad at God or trying to be super rebellious. I honestly was, like, tired and I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to catch up on some sleep and not go to church. So it started off as like the first few like, weekends, I was like sleep in and not go. And then I started realizing, I was like, wait a second, the people, that, the people that go to church are really not that different than me when I don't go to church. So I'm not going to go anymore. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny, but honestly, that's my, that was my thought process. And to be honest with you, it's a terrible decision not to go to church. Looking back, that was like super, super immature of my mind to think that way. Because church is not a place where we get; it's a place where we give, right? So, uh, but for my immature mind, uh, teenager mind, I was like, ah, you know, not going to go to church. So, stopped going to church, and uh, I noticed that. uh, And you know, it's funny because every every Saturday morning, my dad. I love my parents, man. My dad would knock on the door, and even when I, this went on for months, even when every Saturday morning, he'd knock on my door and ask me to go to church with him. Never failed. Um, But I I noticed that the decisions I started to make were not good. And I started to get in a little bit of trouble and make decisions that I hadn't made before. That, you know, I just started to realize the state that I was in. I was like, man, I got to. I got to change, man. I got to change directions. I started to realize my brokenness. I started to realize my emptiness. I started to realize that I actually didn't have purpose in life. I really didn't. I was just going through the motions. And I didn't hate God. I didn't hate like the church. I didn't, I wasn't like trying to be super rebellious or anything like that. I just didn't sense a real big need for Jesus, for God. And so I just kind of fizzled out of things. And so I have three sisters. Two of my sisters actually went to college at um, this, 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 this school called Southern Adventist University. And uh, yeah, for those of you who may have been there, I don't know, Trevor's there. Trevor, where are you at? I see you. Um, but uh, I, they, they went to this school, and my sisters were more spiritual than I was. And so I thought to myself, man, if there's any hope for me, I got to get out of here and I got to go up there. And I remember just, just thinking to myself, man, I want to I be different. I want something more. And as I got up there, I made new friends, and I met these guys, and they, they all had the simil- like, similar mindset that I had of a deep sense of our brokenness and a deep sense of wanting something better. And so... We began this, this men's Bible study group, and I began to read this, this book called Steps to Christ. I don't know if any of you have heard of it. It's basically a 12-step book, amazing book, um, to get to know Jesus. I started reading that, and that led me to read the Bible. And I remember the first book I read was um, Proverbs because I was like, man, I keep making stupid decisions, and I need some wisdom. <laughs> honest, 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 honest. And so I, read, I started to read Proverbs, and, and I, I genuinely, I was, a genuine, I was genuinely seeking out Jesus. But I was only spending like three to five minutes a day with him. But that was all I had to give, right? And he worked with that. And as I studied more, I started to pray. I didn't pray before. I started to talk to him. It was really funny. I, I was in my dorm room. It's probably sophomore year at this point, And I was on my knees praying to God. And my roommate walks in, and he's like, Matt, what's wrong? What's wrong? Because he'd never seen me on knees before praying. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> uh, but but honestly, my life was changing. I was falling in love with Jesus, and I started reading more and more. And that five minutes turned into fifteen minutes, and that fifteen minutes turned into thirty minutes. And before you knew it, there were things in my life that were changing—the way that I talked to people, the way that I interacted there were things that were holding me down that were no longer holding me down. I wanted to be different. I started to find my purpose. I started to see my value in Jesus. I started to, to appreciate and accept the forgiveness for my sins. And the journey, you know, the journey, it's been probably about 10 years now uh, since that happened, but the journey hasn't always been easy but at least I'm on the journey. Amen? There's highs and there's lows, but you got to keep going. And I can honestly say today, I have no regrets. Following Jesus around the age of 18 was probably the best decision I ever made in my life. No regrets. Actually, the only regret I do have is not doing it sooner. That's it. I wish, I remember, 19, 20 years old, I was like, man, what was I doing these past 18 years? Wasting time. Wasting time. (laughs) I'm going to invite Sam to come up here. Um, But that's my story. And I can't necessarily relate to Zacchaeus and being a tax collector and certain things, but I can relate to him because I'm a guy that made mistakes. Friends, Zacchaeus was just like us. He was a guy who made mistakes that found acceptance and a new life in Jesus. This can be true for you too. God loves you with a love that words cannot even describe. He came down to this earth for you, He came to show you that you are accepted and loved by Him even when you feel like a mess. I am a living example of the redemptive power of Jesus. I was lost and Jesus found me and made me new. Where are you at tonight? Maybe you're like me and Zacchaeus. You feel broken and need of healing. Jesus is not just the healer of the physical, but he's a healer of the soul. Maybe you have, had, have been hesitant to go all in with Jesus because you feel like you have too much baggage. Jesus says, come anyway with all your baggage. Maybe you feel like you have made too many mistakes, too many mistakes. Jesus says, I forgive you. Come to me. And maybe, just maybe, you've been longing for acceptance and a better life than the life you're now living. Well, Jesus accepts you, and He offers you new beginnings in Him tonight. There's a beautiful song called "Mercy." I've asked my good friend Sam and Mariela to sing it tonight, and as you listen to it, I want you to soak in the words, really listen to the words, and put yourself in the song. And I want you to reflect on how much Jesus loves you and accepts you tonight.
1: Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you wanna follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to LLUC.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there. On a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment, it makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.